Hi, my name is Ron King, and this is a series of chats about situations in my life and how I've shown up for them. Sometimes gracefully, very oftentimes not. The format is uh, a short conversation moderated by a woman named Libby Delena, who I just met, and uh, I don't know her, she doesn't know me, uh, and the chats are unscripted. She has had a number of conversations with some people close to me. She starts every episode with a question, and I don't know what that question is. My response is in real time, her reaction is in real time, uh, and we've recorded the conversation to share with you. When this project started, I wasn't sure what I was doing or why I was doing it, and in fact, I was very nervous about it. Um, in the end, I realized it was incredibly therapeutic and helpful for me to say everything that I've said out loud um, and to acknowledge uh, sort of what I've been through and who I am as a result. Uh, if in turn it is helpful to anybody, then it's worth the time and it's worth sharing. So uh, I hope you enjoy. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I thank you. Um, so I, when I asked them sort of a similar question as we sort of kicked off our conversation. I said, how would you, you know, simple, how would you describe Ron? And I would say there were four words that floated to the top each time. Do you want to guess them? Uh, ambitious, resilient, sarcastic. Yeah, those would be my best guess. Yeah, you're pretty close. So resilient <laughs> was number one. Resilient. Number two was kindness. Nice. Number three was attentive. Yeah. And number four was fun. And I might even add in effing fun. Was <laughs> so. Nice. Um, yeah, and I, I, those are pretty amazing words. You want to, you want to talk about any one of them? Talk to me about resilience. Tell me about resilience. Why is that number one for everybody? So I have, um, I have lived a crazy life full of ups and downs. And it's sort of always been my perspective that we all have, that life is a roller coaster. We all go through it. There's always up and downs. Um, what I've come to learn over the last 20 years or so is that a lot of my lows were pretty low. Um, and because, you know, we only know what we know and we only know ourselves. And so I had really no point of reference. Um, but what I've discovered through conversations with other people is that a lot of the things I've been through would be very difficult to bounce back from for most people. Um, and that there's some way that I, I don't think necessarily that it's my strength. I think that there's just a way that I process uh, catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that I can sort of deal with it and I deal with it fully and I feel it fully. Uh, and then I close the chapter and I move on because, you know, the, I think we talk a lot about regret, but regret is the fear of regret is one of my biggest motivators in life. And what I don't want is to be 90 years old, sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch of my donkey sanctuary, wondering why I held on to shit that didn't matter or not even remembering why I was mad at somebody or mad at the universe. Um, 
Like that's just not how I want to live my life. And so I do try to process it and deal with it quickly. But, you know, 20, I just celebrated my 25th sober anniversary. So 25 years ago, um, I had no place to live. I was a full on um, alcoholic and cocaine addict. Um, I had absolutely no self-worth. And uh, because I had nowhere to live, I was, you know, picking up whoever was willing to sleep with me and turning tricks for someone warm to sleep. Um, and the bounce back from that was um, slow and long and difficult. And, um, but I just kept putting one foot in front of another. And next thing you know, I have 25 years. Um, I had skin cancer when I was 29. I broke my neck in two places when I was 30. Um, and both of those really set me back a little bit. Um, and you know, it's, I often say that people, I believe that there are people who are born with grace and humility and gratitude. And then there's, a, there are those of us that have to be shaken to our very core. And unfortunately I'm the latter. And so those are all my wake up calls. And of those sort of three instances, the, uh, broken neck was the biggest for me, um, because for about 24 hours, I couldn't move. And while I ended up having no actual nerve damage the prognosis was not good for 24 hours um and so i really processed what my life was going to look like and so when it didn't i i really changed a lot of things about my life and then you know success and love um has come and, and, and come in huge ways like fairy tale ways i had a fairy tale loving relationship and i had a fairy tale career and, and both of those things were completely ripped from my grips. Um, and, you know, at the age of 50, I found myself alone and, and incredibly lonely. I had um, been forced to move out of my apartment and didn't have uh, the means necessary to start a new, get a new apartment. And I had lost my job. Um, and so effectively, at 50 years old, uh, and I was dealing with some health issues. Effectively, at 50 years old, I was at probably the lowest of my lows. Um, and you don't think, I didn't think that I worked this hard to, you know, take the upper road and live a life of integrity and do take the next indicated right step and give back in all the ways that I can imagine giving back to find myself at 50, basically homeless, unemployed, and broke. Um, and there was a moment, specifically around the health issue I was dealing with, but there was a moment where I drove my car up on Mulholland Drive and was sitting looking out. And I thought, I could just drive off this cliff. Um, and, you know, I broke down sobbing in my car and because I thought, this isn't what I've been working for. Like, how did this happen? And it really made me question all of my life's beliefs, which we'll get to later, you know, taking the next indicated right action, doing the very best you can, correcting things when you living a life of integrity and authenticity and always telling the truth. And um, don't, you know, necessarily create a vision board because you'll limit yourself. Like what the world has to offer is bigger than anything you can imagine. Like that's how I've lived my life. And then when you end up wanting to drive your car off a cliff of mole and you're like, shit, did I have it wrong? Like, should I have just kept partying and 
being a hoe and you know should I just have had fun because it's all going to end anyway so it really was a moment of like massive confusion for me um but because I had 25 years of experience of doing the next indicator right step and just putting one foot in front of another um I did call a friend of mine and share the pain um and then I started putting one foot in front of another again and it's remarkable to think that that was a year and a half ago and in that year and a half like I've had another bounce back, one that I never could have imagined. Um, and it's amazing. But that takes resilience. <laughs> that low, you know, given everything that I've been through in my life, to be at the lowest of lows at 50 um, really was hard. Um, but, you know, here I am at probably one of my highest of highs. And so the, the gift is always right around the corner. It's interesting because my instinct is to say, I'm sorry you had to get to that point at Mulholland Drive. And yet um, there is no sorrow in that because, as you said, it, it brings you um, to this point. And um, there were lessons in that. Um, I'm sorry you did have to feel that. So one of the things you, you, you've said a couple of times is... Um, you know, you, you take in what it is that you're feeling, you process it and you move on. And that's one step in front of the other, which I completely agree with. And yet, what does that look like day to day? I mean, um, what does that mean? What does that mean that you feel everything and then you move forward with it? Is it, um, is it, so describe that for yeah. me because that, it, it, I, it's not I, as intentional as it sounds. So it sounds like I'm super smart and, and evolved. It's not really that, but I happen to live a life with very few vices. And so the lack of vices for other reasons, the lack of vices sort of forces me to fill everything fully. Right. So if I could hide behind sex or drugs or alcohol or, um, work, then uh, it would probably be pretty easy for me to do so. But because all of those are in check, then I feel it. Um, and, you know, for instance, with my breakup. So I had a picture-perfect relationship. Um, I loved him with all of my heart um, and never really questioned, like never went through the thought process of, God, I hope this would last. Like I had found my family and I knew that Eric was going to be my family until the day we died. And I never, it, I never questioned it. Um, and then, you know, 13 years later, after, you know, living a life together for 13 years, uh, he just up and left for, uh, he fell out of love with me, fell in love with somebody else, um, younger and cuter and left. Um, and I was devastated. Um, and but because I cannot hide behind anything, uh, I just sat in it. Like I sat in it felt like grief. It felt like uh, death. Like I just sat in the grief that I had lost my best friend, and I cried repeatedly. I remember for a year, I would come home. I lived in an apartment in New York City. I would get off the elevator and I'd round the corner, and every single time I would say, "Please be there waiting for me." Um, and you know, he never was. He was off living an amazing life and got married. <laughs> um, and then one day it went away. It took a long time, but one day it went away. Um, 
And, you know, I think had I, uh, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think that he's been afforded the same luxury that I just described because mm-hmm. he went from one bed to another and he hasn't processed the grief of what we lost. Um, and I imagine he still suffers with it. Um, and it, that makes me really grateful that I went through the grief um, because... I mean, it's not like I'm over it. Like, clearly, I feel a little choked up, but um, but it no longer affects me the way that it, uh, 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 consistently the way that it did. Um, so that was it. I, I don't think that I sit through the pain because I'm strong. I sit through the pain because I've done all the work to deal with all my other vices and I have no choice. In the end, it works out really well for me. And the sitting through the pain is what some might call mourning, right? Is yeah, exactly. the recognition of time passing is a powerful medicine. It's a powerful tool. And often there's some ritual around it that acknowledges what's just happened. And that ritual and that sitting with it is in fact, the only medicine, perhaps it's the only, it's the only way to come out the other side and and feel confident and comfortable with it. Well, that's right. And I think that unfortunately, if you don't go through that process, then, you know, that gets carried with you in anything that's in your future. Um, and that's sort of a shadow or a cloud that I am happy. is part of your story. Yeah, yeah, one would argue that it's not optional to, to not mourn something. Yeah. Yeah. That in fact, you have to, and to your point, if you don't go through that entire process, you've never gone through that process, so it'll still be vibrant in your life. But what you're mm-hmm. saying is because you've gone through that, there is a place for you to land that is um, without the anxiety of that, of that That's right. feeling. Yeah. That's right. And I'll say one last thing about it that, um, you know, I grew up because of a number of factors, uh, primarily centered around the fact that I was a young gay boy in the early 70s in a Southern Baptist household. But I grew up really disliking myself. Um, and that manifested itself in many ways throughout my young adulthood. Um, and I've done a shit ton of really boring and annoying work on myself. And I got to a place where I genuinely can say like, I love who I am. And I fully acknowledge that I love who I am because of all of those things that I've recovered from. And I wouldn't be who I was had I not, like I wouldn't, no one would use the word resilience to describe me had I not gone through uh, considerable pain over and over and over again. So I am grateful for those things because they made me who I am and I love who I am. That being said, I only say that in the good times. I have no clarity or vision to say that when things are bad. Um, So, you know, I don't want somebody else who's struggling and doesn't feel that way to think that they're somehow on a different path than me. Like when I'm in the valleys, fucking hate everything about it. So I just want to be really clear about that before we wrap up. Yeah, thank you. Because I think um, your experience is applicable to many, even though the specifics are different. And it would be easy to say, to distill out of this conversation that self-love and going through the morning is the way to eternal comfort and happiness. But your point is, in fact, um, it, it, it doesn't ever go away necessarily. It just means you have done the work to be able to embrace it. And uh, 
Yeah, thank you for saying that because yeah. I don't, I don't. When anybody's in the valleys, it doesn't mean because you've done the work that you feel extraordinarily okay about it. It just exactly. doesn't. Yeah. I had done all of the work, and I wanted to drive my car from a hole and drive. So yes. you only right. feel it when things are working. Right. Right. So, all right. Thank let's you. talk more soon. Okay. Cheerio. Right. Bye. <laughs>